Well, hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome to the Salt Retreat. Can I, can I, can I just say, I, I, I thought that uh, Cascade was really hot in the summer, but uh, this, is, this is giving me a new appreciation for Cascade and its lack of air conditioning. Um, in case we haven't met, uh, my name is Jordan. Uh, I've been part of SALT for many, many years now. Uh, enough that I've stopped counting. Uh, I, could, I could probably figure it out, but uh, we'll just go with it. It's been a while. <laughs> um, tonight, I've been given the, the, the privilege and blessing to open up our message series for this weekend. Um, and, I, and I really mean that. When I, when I say it's a privilege and blessing to, to be here, um, those of you who know my testimony uh, will know just... just how transformative this community in particular has been in my adult life. Um, like, it's, uh, I was completely different beforehand. Um, and again, many years ago, I'm not gonna say the number, many years ago, I was persistently uh, encouraged by a staff member at Cascade to attend a retreat very similar to this one um, that, that the SALT group was putting on. Uh, and I really didn't want to go. Uh, I, I hadn't engaged with the SALT community. Uh, I didn't, didn't know anyone. Um, and <laughs> I'm, I'm an introvert, uh, in, in, in case that's, that's, not, that's not obvious from some of my mannerisms. Um, and I ended up going to that retreat. Um, and when I was finally at the retreat, I tried as hard as I could not to come out of my shell. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm not gonna be cracked. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay in my shell and um, we'll, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna prove that the SALT group is not worth my time to attend. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what happened. Um, I, was, I was gently persuaded to come out of my shell. Um, there were so many people who genuinely wanted to know me better and, and, and genuinely wanted to lead me closer to Christ. Um, and that, that weekend ended up being a huge catalyst in my walk with Christ. Um, I, I, I grew up uh, a Christian. Um, I grew up in Awana. I, I knew the Bible. Um, but after, after college, I was a workaholic. That was, that was my life. Um, I worked 80 hours a week, and, and I thought that was all I needed. Um, and I knew the Bible, so why, why would I need to engage with the community? Um, but that weekend really became a catalyst for me. Um, it, it changed my walk with Christ. And the, the, the change that actually happened wasn't, wasn't like some, something profound. It wasn't, wasn't, wasn't crazy. Um, what, it, what it was was encouragement. It was encouragement to grow deeper with Christ. Um, I found that weekend that I could be around godly men and women and not walk away feeling great judgment, feeling shame for, for my evilness, shame for my sin, but I could instead walk away with actionable conviction, conviction that would lead me closer to Christ. And, and after that retreat, I, I did end up taking advantage of all this community had to offer. Um, the weekend after that retreat, I started going to the men's Bible study. 
Uh, and I don't think I missed uh, a, a single Bible study for the, for the four, first uh, three years. I think I was there every single Friday that there was a Bible study. Um, I found deep friendship in that group with some of the men. I found great accountability. And it wasn't soon after that that I started serving on Tuesdays. And, you know, I, I developed all sorts of skills that I didn't have before. Um, I'm, a, I'm a software engineer by trade, and I knew nothing about audio, and I set all this stuff up every week, and uh, I didn't know how to do that. It was kind of dropped in my lap. Um, didn't, have a, didn't have that much of a choice, but I chose to engage. Um, and through that, I was able to start giving back to this community. And eventually, more opportunities came up. Um, I, I eventually stepped into to leading the men's Bible study. Um, I, I still help lead that now. Uh, and there were more and more things that I, that I was doing that required me to step out of my comfort zone, required me to step out of my shell uh, and really develop the skills to speak into the, the righteous living of my peers the same way that they had all spoken into me. Um, that eventually led to going on mission trips, again, way out of my comfort zone. Uh, the first one uh, had to interact with a lot of kids. I don't interact well with kids. Uh, Jobo can, can tell you the story. Um, and uh, if any of you know Emma Trombley, she will happily tell you that every opportunity she had, she put a baby on my lap and just watched me squirm. Uh, <laughs> but here's why I'm telling you all of this. I've had amazing experiences in this community, and they, they have transformed my life. And I do hope that all of you guys can, can, can have that same, same thing happen. So you can engage with this community, and it can change you. But I want to warn you against doing any of that without engaging with God personally. My entire existence at SALT, everything that I've done from uh, helping out uh, with audio, um, leading the men's Bible study, um, the mission trips, all of it, it would have been complete vanity if it not, had not been for the deliberate decision I made to engage in a personal relationship with our Heavenly Father. It would have been vanity. And, and so this weekend... I really hope that you guys all have an awesome time, and, and, I'm, and I'm certain you guys will. Um, I hope that you guys make new friendships. I hope that you guys reinforce existing friendships. Uh, but, but my hope for everyone is that, that above everything else, you can engage with God one-on-one. -on -one. This weekend, the aim of all the messages you will hear is that uh, you engage with God personally specifically through the reading of his word. That's what we're going to stress this weekend, the importance of God's word and how to engage with it. I'm going to pray for us real quick, pray for this weekend, uh, and then I'm, I'm going to go through a, a bit of why it's a good idea to read God's word in the first place. Um, let me pray. Uh, Lord God, um, I just want to thank you for the, for the SALT group, for all the things I just said and, and how it's changed my life. And, and, 
Lord, I know you're here. I know you are present with us in this room. You are present with us on, on our, in our weekly meetings as well. But Lord, I, I pray that this, this weekend is different um, because we're out here. Um, we've, we've driven four hours away from, from home. I pray that we can, we can disconnect from, from that in life which is pressing and pulling on us. Uh, the things that are stealing our attention away from you. I pray that the, the crusty bits of our heart, the, the areas that, that we, we have deliberately chosen to harden, that you'd break through those this weekend. You'd soften our hearts and, and you'd, you'd convict us in new ways. Um, I pray that we all leave this weekend engaging with your word on a more regular basis and we let you have an impact in our life through it. Amen. All right. So why should we read God's word? <laughs> to understand that, first, we need to talk about the reality that we live in. And in case you haven't noticed, it kind of sucks sometimes. Um, you, you've likely all heard that, that we live in a fallen world. And this is true. You only need to read the first three chapters of the Bible to learn that. Um, Genesis 3, verse 17b through 19, says, Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. But thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat the bread. Till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. The world has fallen. Even the ground that, 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 that we stand on, the same, very same soil that we derive our food from, it has been cursed by sin. Now, most of us in this room aren't farmers <laughs> and probably haven't done much gardening. But that's not really what this is talking about. All of us, and I mean all of us, feel the effects of sin in this world. Because of sin, we suffer at the hands of anxiety and depression. Because of sin, we, we struggle against the corruption of our own bodies. Whether we're dealing with pain, disease, or other physical ailments, it's a result of the sin in the world. Because of sin, we want nothing more than to gratify the desires of the flesh. We pursue pleasure, wealth, and happiness. Things that on their own aren't evil, but, are but, but, but result in a completely empty and bitter fruit when achieved through selfish ambition. Among all these things, all of this brokenness, there is an enemy. And we need to understand this. The deepest desire of our enemy is that we would be subject to bear the full weight of the brokenness of this reality. John 10.10 says, A thief, the, the thief, does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. All Satan wants 
is for us to become so ensnared by the results of our sin that we become convinced escape is impossible. Without the intervention of God, he'd do exactly that every time without fail. That's the bad news. The bright side is, for us, there's also good news. The God of the universe, he doesn't want us to be enslaved by sin. No, what God wants is for us to experience his boundless love and grace. I'm willing to bet that most of you in this room know the verse John 3.16. I'd like you guys to, 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 to read it with me real quick. Um, even the translations will probably be different, but that's fine. Uh, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Does anyone know John 3.17? Okay, a couple of you guys. Not a lot of hands, though. Let me read that. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn us, but that the world through him might be saved. Altogether, that's this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the, the, the world through him might be saved. We cannot take these verses for granted. God loves us. He loves us so much that he sent his only son down here, not for the purposes of condemning us, which is what we deserve due to our propensity to sin. He sent his son, his son to atone for our sin so that we can be saved. Psalm 36, verses 5 through 7 says, Your unfailing love, O Lord, is as vast as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your justice is like the ocean depths. You care for people and animals alike, O Lord. How precious is your unfailing love, O Lord. All humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings. Later on in Ephesians uh, 3:18 through 19, we can read this. And many, uh, and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though. It is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. In 1 John uh, verse three, uh, sorry, chapter 3, verse 1, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. In reading all of those verses, it should, it should become clear to us that, that our Father's love is, is so big it's incomprehensible. And because we are his children, he extends that love to us as an alternative to the brokenness offered by this world. Matthew uh, 11 uh, 
verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The weight of this world, it will crush us. But, but through the love of God, we are completely relieved of that burden. And this is the, this is the fact that, 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 that Satan will do his best to distract us from, through all the means I, I listed earlier. Um, but there's no need for us to fall into these distractions. We have been offered life by our Heavenly Father, and through him we can be in the world, but not of the world. So getting, getting back to the point that we started with here, why should we read the Bible? Um, Dr. Howard Hendricks, author of uh, Living by the Book, um, which is uh, a book that, that uh, the, the leadership team kind of used uh, to structure this, this weekend, he says this, um, this book, referring to the Bible, will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. I don't know about you, but, but I can't begin to express how true that has been in my own life. Paul, Paul in his second letter to Timothy, um, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verses 16 through 17 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's a lot to unpack there. That, there's, there, there there's, there's a lot of good stuff packed in just those two verses. Um, I'm going to try and unpack it just, just a little bit for you guys. Let's start with the first statement, that, that all Scripture is God-breathed. This, this is really important. Um, the Bible, what we, what we call Scripture, what, as we know it today is really just an amalgamation of 66 different historical texts. And, and we refer to those as the books of the Bible. Um, these books, as you well may know, tell the history of the Israelites from the inception of that people group at the time of Abraham to the height of the Israeli nation during the time of David, all the way through to the story of Christ and his first generation of followers whom we refer to as the Apostles. The fact that we have this book today and all the resources that, that, that we have to help us understand this book and that all of those resources and that the Bible itself in multiple translations is available in our language, a language that didn't even exist when the, when the Bible was originally written. English is a fairly modern language. That's truly a miracle. We have this for a reason. Every verse in the Bible, I mean every single one of them, they all came from God. A human may have put the words to the page, but God put the words to the human. These words have existed and been tested for centuries, yet none of them have been found to be faulty. Every word is there on purpose. Second Peter um, 
chapter 1, verse 19, says this. We also have the, the prophetic message as something completely reliable. And you will do well to pay attention to it as a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Pretty incredible. Peter was there for a lot of the things that happened with Jesus. He was there during the transfiguration when the voice from heaven said, this is my son <laughs> of whom I am well pleased. He was there when Jesus did all of these crazy miracles. He was there during the death of Jesus. He was there when Jesus was resurrected. He had everything he needed to have full faith in God just by his lived experience. And this is what he says about the Bible. It is completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it. Because we know that these words are God-breathed, we know that there's never been a book as true as the Bible. There's never been a book as important as the Bible. It's safe to say that, that short of our salvation, the Bible is the best gift we will ever receive. And because Scripture is God-breathed, all Scripture is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. We have to remember what it is that saves us, what it is that, that, that makes us righteous. Jesus did a good, good job of telling us this on multiple occasions. To name a few, uh, John 11 Verses uh, 25 through 26. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives uh, by believing in me will never die. In John 11, 40. Um, then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Did you guys catch that? What Jesus is talking about here, it's not rooted in our works. It isn't rooted in how much serving we do at the church. It isn't rooted at how, how great we are at our jobs, how diligent we are, how epic of a testimony we have. It's faith. The thing that saves us, the thing that, 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 that leads us to righteousness, is faith. And... I think we all know this after being exposed to the church for a long time, but I think we still get this backwards way too often. We, we love and aspire to have an epic testimony. We love and aspire to do works that others find awesome. But we do all that before we look for truly epic faith. We often long to look righteous more than we look into becoming righteous. And that's a problem. But through, reading, through the reading of the word, I believe we can reverse this. Again, all scripture is useful for teaching, 
rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. It's, it's been said like this. Your faith instinctively strengthens in direct proportion to the expansion of the object of your faith. You expand your understanding of the object of your faith, and faith itself will obediently follow. God is the object of our faith. And the Bible, it's nothing more than a text about God and how he has walked with his people throughout the ages. He has taken care of them. He has loved them. I don't know how much Old Testament reading you guys have done, but the Israelites did some truly hideous things. Just read Judges. Oy. God still loved them. God still sent his son. Taking all of this into account, it stands to reason then that the reading of scripture will strengthen your faith in the direct proportion the amount you engage with it. The Bible is really important for our salvation and for our righteousness. The last part of uh, that, that, that uh, Second Timothy verse says this. Scripture exists so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and mighty in his power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against the flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you, uh, which you can extinguish all flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Remember what I, what I said earlier? All Satan wants is for us to become so ensnared by the results of our sin that we become convinced escape is impossible. This is how God protects us from that. None of us in this room will live the rest of our lives without sin. None of us. We are, we, we are, we are born sinners and, and, and though we can be made righteous by God, we will continue to sin. That is a fact. And sometimes our sin will seem quite small to us and to others. But I'll submit this to you. Even the smallest sin is a foothold for the enemy. Satan will tell you that your sin is literally the worst. 
He will tell you that you're irredeemable because of your sin. He will tell you you should be ashamed of yourself for what you have done. After all, you are guilty. No. Reject that. You may have failed, but God already knew you would. And he already accounted for that. He still loves you. He still loved the Israelites. Your sin is no worse than theirs. The Bible exists so that through the reading of it, God can armor our hearts. We can be hardened against the attacks of the enemy. And this is true. Through the reading of scripture, God adorns us with the fullness of the armor that can only come from him. That means we never need to live without hope. There's nothing the enemy can throw at us that God can't handle. It means we can always live with peace. The Spirit will guide us, tell us <laughs> what to do. Um, through all of this, we are no longer subject to the world, and we will instead sow and reap the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5 22 through 26. A lot of you are familiar with this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with, his, with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. It is clear to me that reading the Bible is an essential part of Christian living. And that's, that's what I hope you take away from this weekend. Through the Bible, your faith will multiply. Through the Bible, your walk with God will become real and meaningful. Through the Bible you will become a more mature follower of Jesus and you will reap all of the benefits that comes with that. Let me pray and the the band will come up for worship. Lord God, um, I pray that you'd soften our hearts. I pray that the reading of your word would become more real to us this weekend than it's ever been before. I pray that when the enemy comes to torment us, we have your armor. That we do not need to fear anything because we know that you have us. We can trust in your righteousness. We can trust in your love and grace of us. Lord, I pray all of these things in your great and holy name. Amen.